Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, team. We're going to go to the lighthouse today, uh, to the power of God as expressed in his word here, to help us experience peace. So I mentioned before, my name is Dan Jarvis. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's been a delight to serve here for a number of years, and along with a great team. Um, I wanted to let you know, as we are in the middle of this series on daily peace, if you need someone to pray with you, the door is open, the phone is open. You can text us, you can call us, you can email us, uh, you can walk right up to any of us. We would love to engage with you. And, uh, and whether or not we have the answer to your struggle or not, you know, we'll point you to God's word, but definitely we can pray with you and uh, believe with you that the Lord will work. So turn the Bible to Philippians chapter 4. That's where we're going to find our third choice that we have to make. In this series, we're, we're, we're charting a path to daily peace, a path made up of choices that, if we make them, will step us in the right direction so that one day, and maybe even that's today, you could look up to heaven and you could say, it really is well with my soul. Um, my, I, my life isn't perfect, but I have peace even in the trials that I'm facing. Even with stressors in my life, I still have a perspective that leads me toward peace and joy. So I wanted to begin today by asking you a question just to think about, and that is what do anxious Christians and peaceful Christians have in common? Now we already know what's different about them. Right? anxious or peaceful, but what is the same about those two groups of people? Say, well, I mean, presuming the idea that they're really following Jesus, they're really Christians, you say, well, the first thing that's the same about someone who's anxious and someone who's peaceful is they actually have the same faith, the same hope, and the same salvation. So whatever it is that we believe about eternity and about transformation of the heart, well, both types of people have that. Right? But you could be here going like, I'm rejoicing in that, but I'm still overwhelmed by stress. I still feel anxious all the time. Uh, or maybe you have faith, hope, and salvation, and you're saying, wow, that defines me, and my soul really is at peace. Okay, the, these two groups of people both have access to the same truths and the same promises of God. So you can open up the Bible, and uh, the people who are defined by peace, they're, they're able to read the Bible and rejoice in what God has done. And the people who are anxious, they can open the Bible, they can rejoice in what God has done. So that's the same. They, well, they also have access to the same kinds of encouragement. Okay, so you think like they could probably, we have some of both groups sitting here right now. Right? You don't have to admit who you are if you're one of the anxious ones, but you're not alone. I mean, there's probably quite a few people here right now that would say, I, I feel like I spend more time in anxiety than I do in peace. Um, some of you even have more of like a clinical or medical diagnosis that says, I have an anxiety challenge in my life that's bigger than just me deciding to be peaceful. Okay, now, all of us, regardless of which side of the fence we're on on that, we also all struggle with the same types of temptations. So it's not like the peaceful people somehow have conquered all of their sins and they don't have to worry about anything. No, they still have moments that would be frustrating or you know, temptation to be prideful or angry or lustful or whatever. And yet somehow in the middle of all that temptation, peace and joy define their life, anxiety doesn't. I also think that they face the same kind of circumstances. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. You could meet someone 
who you would look at their life and you would say, wow, they're just going through the ringer. It's like everything is going wrong and yet they're so peaceful and filled with joy. And then you could meet someone else and you could scratch your head and say, I hear them say they're stressed out, but at least from the outside, it seems like things are okay. It doesn't seem like they've got any big catastrophe to deal with, but still their heart is filled with anxiety. So why is there a difference? Why are some believers in Jesus anxious and some are peaceful? I'm going to explore one of those differences in depth today, but I want to mention a couple of them. There's probably more than just this. But let me mention to you two possible differences that I think would be headlines if we were doing a study, all right? The first one is what we're gonna zero in on today. And that is what they choose to do with their thoughts. What you choose to do in your mind is going to likely be the number one driver of whether or not you feel the peace of God in your life or you still feel anxious even though God has done so much for you. The second driver of all of that is number two, how their physical body and brain chemistry react to stress. And some people have a lot of challenges in that area. So that's, you know, engage counselors, engage medical professionals. Sometimes there's medication that helps balance some of those things out or create regulations so you can think clearly. There is a place for that. But my fear is that what we're tempted to do when we feel anxiety is jump right to number two and skip number one. And let me tell you this, if you skip number one, number two can't solve your problem. Number two might be necessary for you. It is for a lot of people. But alone, that actually won't bring you peace. You have to also include number one in the story, and that's what God's word calls us to do in Philippians 4. Um, so I want to give you a little encouragement, especially if you're one of the people who today, if you were, you know, super open and honest and courageous or whatever, I say, hey, raise your hand if you're anxious, and your hand went up. I won't do that to you. Um, I, I just want to give you a word of encouragement. Here it is. You aren't alone. And your choices related to thoughts can make a dramatic difference in the peace and joy that you feel. There's some hope in that. Sometimes when you're filled with anxiety, you feel like it's all out of control and there's nothing you can do to change what's going on in your mind. What I'm here to bring to you today is a little bit of hope that you can start with your thoughts and God has given you the ability to choose your thoughts. So if we'll take that by faith and make some choices, it may not solve all of the cascading challenges you face, but it is step one, all right? So we're going to walk through that today. A little bit of review, if you think about the last couple of weeks, if you weren't here, I wanted you to see this. We're building a pathway. So the first choice we make as we want to live a peaceful life is first we have to invest our hope in God. So you have a certain amount of hope in your hands, you're going to place it somewhere. A lot of people place hope in their own ability to work things out. And so that's why they're fine as long as they feel like they've got control of their life. But if something goes wrong, they're filled with anxiety and stress and they're overwhelmed because they realize they don't have control. They put their hope in the wrong thing. When you invest your hope in God, you have confidence, regardless of what happens in this world, that there's a path forward. And that relates to choice number two. 
talked about it last week, I choose to trust God's narrative about my future. So your current narrative about your present might be tough. It's very possible. All of us go through seasons of tough times. They ebb and flow. Sometimes people go through horrible things. Our hearts go out to them. But all of us can also look past all of that to hope that God gives us in the future. And so we say, Lord, no matter what happens in this world, I'm trusting your future narrative. But we're still in this world. And that's why we're going to have to learn how to change what we think about if we're going to be people of peace. So Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. And I'd encourage you to read along. There should be a Bible in one of the seats up underneath uh, in front of you. Or if you want to open up your app and read along, I'd love for you to be reading God's word for yourself, not just hearing me read it. Um, just because I could speak for a whole hour about all of this. I won't, I won't go that long, don't worry. Um, but my words aren't going to add up uh, to transformation in your life. God's words will. And so look at what God's word says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, joy is a noun. Joy is something you kind of hope you feel. But the word rejoice is a command. It's a verb. It's something you're supposed to go do. It's interesting to think about. Some people say, I don't have a joyful life. Maybe you don't have joyful circumstances, but you can still obey the command to rejoice. So that's going to be part of the recipe here. Next verse. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to this Philippian church, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So you should say, yes, I want the God of peace to be with me. I want him to fill my mind. I want, I want the peace of God that's more than I could even understand to define my life. So we look at this text and we say, well, what did God tell us to do if we want that? It doesn't just happen automatically if you believe the right things. And it doesn't just happen magically one day when you become a Christian and suddenly your problems are gone. No. You have to choose what you'll do with your mind if you want to experience peace. So we go back up to verse 4 and we go, well, there's a few things in this recipe. There's rejoicing, where you're choosing the path of joy. You're considering others, not just having a self-focus, which is the surest way to have a gray, sad day, is just to think about yourself. But as soon as you lift your spirit and you say, I'm going to start thinking of others, joy is possible. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So when you face circumstances that are stressful, you turn those stressors into prayer instead of turning them into some sort of misguided attempt to control everything. 
You say, Lord, I'm, I'm giving my cares to you. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he has done. Gratefulness is going to be part of our recipe because it helps us with perspective. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but you know when you're having a bad day or kind of a bad attitude and you hear someone say, hey, you should make a list of 10 things you're grateful for. I confess sometimes I really don't want to make that list because I know it will work. Like I, then I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I have to admit there are some you know, positive things in my life, but I was really kind of enjoying like chewing on this really negative thought and being really upset at these people that I don't like. Gratefulness is, in many ways, the antidote to some of our negativity. And then verse 8. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Lovely and admirable. Pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So the command here is not a command to fix the problems. We can't do that. We can fix our thoughts by affixing them to what is true and what is right. So I want to walk you through a few principles on how we might do this, all right? This gets to the third step in our path to peace. I'm choosing a diet of thoughts that will lead me toward peace. All of us are thinking all the time. Most of us are thinking all the time. And when we do, we're consuming those thoughts. It's like a diet of information in our head, emotions and choices that are happening inside of us. Um, I've come to notice that my thoughts wander if I don't control them. Anybody else have that problem? Sometimes you'll realize, like, why am I even thinking about this? Like someone else was pulling the string somehow and my thoughts were way down a track that I didn't necessarily consciously select. So what I've come to realize is that your mind is a little bit like screen time. You'll notice if you leave a screen on, what will it do? Pretty much any screen is capable of doing this these days. If you aren't picking what you want to see, what will the screen do? It will show you something else, right? It will decide what you get to see. So if you just leave your TV running, it's going to run previews or the channels are going to keep flipping or the next show is going to come on. Um, if, you're, if you're just sort of mindlessly scrolling on the internet or on social media, if you're not picking what you want to learn about, something else is picking what you're going to learn about and think about, right? Some algorithm out there is thinking what advertisements it wants you to see and what content it thinks it should feed you. And so unless you're really intentional with your mind, I think our minds actually do the same thing to us. Our minds will wander. Our minds will start to daydream. Our minds will get really negative. Our minds will start complaining or start having kind of dark hypotheticals that will happen or, you know, the little vengeance fantasies or whatever. Like all of a sudden you've got all this crazy stuff going on in your mind and you say, whoa, 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 slow down. This isn't what I want my mind to be fixed on. But if we're not intentional, it will wander. So, what is my current thought diet? What is healthy about it and what is unhealthy? For just a second, I'd like you to close your eyes just to consider this question. The reason I have you close your eyes is just think when you close your eyes, it's just you in there, right? There's nobody else is right there in front of you anymore. It's just your soul is there in your head and just wanted you to ask yourself, is my diet of thoughts 
healthy. And what is in that diet? You start with celebrating the good things. What are things that you think about that you would say leads you on the path of peace? I'll take a deep breath and let's think about the unhealthy side. What are things that occupy your mind that lead you away from what is good and peaceful and right and noble and joyful? It's interesting, I have two responses in my mind to this. One is the things that come in at me. You know, there's a certain amount of whatever, entertainment value in seeing other people that aren't living the path of peace, right? You see people beating each other up on TV or something. And, um, but when it's in me, it's not entertaining. It's real when it's in me. When I'm thinking about vengeance or when I'm thinking about violence or when I'm thinking about how much I hate somebody or how bitter I am at what they've done. And I feel like what's unhealthy in my own mind's diet, even though there's certainly unhealthy things coming at me from the outside, like from media, I actually think the number one unhealthy thing that my mind chews on is actually its own bad imaginations complaining, pride, lust, greed. So if I'm going to walk the path of peace, I have to have God's help in changing my mind. So how would we do that? What would that look like? So I wanted to show you two different diets, okay, if we're thinking about our mind's diet. Here's the anxiety diet. So if you live on this diet, if this is what your mind is typically consuming, it's not a surprise to me that you're dealing with anxiety. Okay, comparison and envy. So on a regular basis, you're seeing what other people have and you're wishing you had that. And that person's smarter than I am, that person's more successful, uh, that guy's richer than I am, that girl looks better than I do, uh, those people seem happier than I am, and our minds can run away in comparison, leading to envy, leading to a lot of sadness. Okay, immorality and secrecy is another pathway down a dark hole where you end up in a place where you're ashamed and you're guilty and you feel like you've got a double life and you don't even feel like the people around you know you anymore because there's all this yuck in your heart in your mind violence and bitterness where you're chewing over and over again in your mind almost like you're complaining to yourself about those people about your spouse about your boss hypotheticals and worst-case scenarios. This would be one of my weaknesses um, where you're not really thinking about what's true. Remember, Philippians 4.8 says right, right off the bat, think about what's true. I think about what could be true. That can take you down the rabbit hole pretty quick. Man, it could be bad. Those people could mean the worst. Something really terrible could happen. That sucks peace right out of you. What about self-loathing or selfishness? where you're just focused on yourself, and whether it's you're focused on how great you are and the arrogance, or you're focused on how terrible you are and trying to prove that you're not. 
That'll lead you to worry and anxiety. And then control and pride, the sense of control, the, the attempt to control. So that's the diet. Think about it. If this is what occupies your mind, both the incoming messages from media and conversations and friends and family, if that's what the narrative is, and then if that's also what you're reinforcing yourself, well, it's no wonder you've got stress. There's a better way. There's a different way. The peace diet. And you can, take, you can go through this text, starting in verse 4, and pull out the ingredients of the peace diet and say, well, what would it take for my mind to go in a different direction? What would that look like? What would that feel like? Well, here are some of the things that text mentions. Um, that choice to rejoice or turning things to prayer, gratefulness, truth, honorable, what's right, what's pure. That's, that's the diet of what you need playing in your mind so that you can start to feel peace. It doesn't mean that the world isn't still ugly, and it doesn't mean denying the problems that are around you. It's, it's what you're fixing your thoughts on. It's what you're deciding to focus your thoughts on. That's why one person can go through a terrible circumstance and still feel peace, and another person can go through the same terrible circumstance and feel terrible. The circumstance is the same. Their level of control over the circumstance is the same. What's different is what they're choosing to think about as they walk through that challenge. So what if you said to me, well, Pastor Dan, I've been living with anxiety for so long, I don't even know if I could have a conversation without complaining. I don't even know what I would talk about if there was nothing negative to say. That's all I'm I'm a broken record of negativity, my mouth and my mind. What would I even do with my thoughts if there weren't people to be upset at or things to be ashamed of or problems that I can't solve. Well, I want to give you a few starts, a few starting places. I, I admit that the, the concept of what we're working through here is complex and there are layers of this for different people. Some people it might be as simple as changing your mind and tomorrow you would feel different. Other people, there might be a process that's going to involve prayer and counsel and untangling a bunch of things in the past. Say wherever you are, wherever your starting place is, what I'll offer you here is a step you can take, a beginning to a process. My belief, personally, is that if you'll take Philippians 4, 4 through 9, literally and seriously, that even by later today, you would feel different than you feel right now. That even by later today, a little bit of that anxiety cloud would lift. So how would we begin the process? First of all, get clear. Okay? A radical detox from negativity can lift you up. So you look at the text and he talks about rejoicing, he talks about gratefulness, he talks about prayer. Say, that is the furthest thing from my mind. Like, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, my life's terrible. So you, you'll have to do a radical repentance here, a major turnaround. And you could think of it a little bit like a detox. Where you say, e- even though, you think about what a physical detox is like. You know, you fast for a day or whatever, or you, you know, only drink grapefruit juice or something. And a lot of things start to happen in your body when you do that, right? 
Um, and you say, I wouldn't do that forever. I wouldn't be on a permanent detox diet, but sometimes that's helpful to kind of restart the system, to get out of one habit and into a new frame of mind. So you might say, as a, as a matter of, of detoxing, I'm going to choose not to do something for a while. So maybe your negativity comes from your own mouth, and you're just a complainer. It's, it's always negative. So what if you said, for a day, I'll just take a vow of silence? Believe it or not, the world won't stop turning. Your opinion actually isn't that interesting to other people. Um, neither is mine. I mean, I know we're all in this boat together. Uh, you could say, I'm choosing today to only say positive things or nothing at all, which sounds suspiciously like what we're supposed to do anyway, but for you it might feel like a detox. Um, you might say, for one day, I'm just not going to look at the notifications on my device. For one day, I'm not going to have any music in my head or anything on my TV. For one day... I'm just going to steer clear of negative people and just rejoice. That one day would be an amazing day, right? And it, and it could get you started on a new road. Well, the second thing is to open the Bible. As soon as you empty your mind from a bunch of yuck, like obviously now you've got a bunch of space to fill. So here we go. We, we go into God's Word and we find out that time in God's Word can reverse mind damage. So maybe your mind really is damaged. Like maybe there's been so much anxiety and despair and anger and stress in your life that it actually has rewired your brain to a certain extent. And you really can't imagine what life would be without all of that defining you. God's word has the power to get you back on track. Romans 12 talks about not being conformed to this world but instead to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So I say, Lord, would you help me do that? I'm opening up your word. I want my mind to be new. Psalm 119 is a fantastic chapter to read. You can pick any section of it. It's divided into little eight-verse sections. And every section of it is celebrating the power of God's word to bring joy, to bring clarity, to bring purpose. So you read a section of Psalm 119 and say, all right, Lord, from here on, I want this attitude. I want to start opening my Bible and seeking you to fill my mind with what's good. Going outside, I love doing this, especially today, right? I'm sure we'll all have to go look at the blue sky while it's out there. Because we know, especially in this area of the country, when it gets gray and rainy and cold, and there's a little ice on everything, it is tempting to get kind of low emotionally, right? I mean, it's just... For whatever reason, it's part of our human wiring. It happens to a lot of us. And so especially in those moments, we say, all right, Lord, I recognize out there is not going to be encouraging to me. That's why I need to fix my thoughts on you, on what's right, what's true, what's pure, what's lovely. Select joyful voices. Be sure the voices you hear, including your own, are uplifting. I've noticed that sometimes in my life, I kind of end up with a story to tell, and I have to tell it a lot of times. Does that happen to you? Like maybe, for those of you who are about 17 or so, everybody's going to ask you, what are you going to do next, right? And you feel like you end up with this speech you give to everybody you meet. Or you spend a day in the hospital, and everybody that you know is going to ask you in one way or another, how are you feeling? And you've got 
a speech that you're going to give. And, and here's what's interesting. You can choose the tenor of that speech. It doesn't have to be filled with negativity and sadness. You could choose thankfulness and prayer and rejoicing. The voices that you hear make sure they're ones that are going to lift you up. Sometimes that's other people where you say, I'm with some negative people, I just need, need to not be with them as often. Um, but if you're anything like me, my, the negative person I struggle with the most is actually myself. So I say, Lord, I want to start right there. And here's the last one, think of others. You'll experience joy on a new level when you get your mind off of yourself. So the text says, be considerate. You're starting to think about other people, and that's a pathway to start seeing life in a different way and to having something better to think about than that whole big anxiety diet. So we look at Philippians 4.8, and we can see there sort of this vision of a different way to think, a way to think that allows God's peace to be a part of our lives. So I have a little challenge for you here as we conclude. I need a couple volunteers to do some, passing something out. You don't have to do anything embarrassing. Can I volunteer you? That's great. How about you, Jake? You volunteer as well? All right, so I just need everybody to get one of these slips of paper. Thank you. And then would one person be willing to kind of walk around with pencils and make sure everybody, there should be pencils in some of your seats, but I know they're not everywhere, so Ryan, thank you for that. So here's what's on this little slip of paper. Um, on one side, there's an opportunity to reflect a little bit on what's healthy in your thinking and what's unhealthy in your thinking. On the other side, there's an opportunity to say something to the care team of the church. Now, you don't, you don't have to turn these cards in. I would encourage you to write something down, even if you're just going to take it and pray about it. But I would love for you to turn it in so that we can pray with you about whatever it is you're working through. So maybe your card's going to say, you know, I... Healthy thoughts I have are when I'm here at church, when we're singing, when I'm celebrating, but wow, I've got unhealthy thoughts when I'm at work or when I'm dealing with my marriage problems or whatever else. And, and we'd love to pray with you about those challenges. Um, we'd also love to connect with you and encourage you. So we're going to give you a couple minutes to pray about this. I'd encourage you to pray, even maybe before you just start writing, just, just say, Lord, well, would you search my thoughts? Would you help me to see maybe even a blind spot in my life of some way I'm not really using my mind in a way that leads toward peace? Take a minute to pray, fill out that card. When we're all done, and there's gonna be, Trevor's gonna challenge us in song in just a moment to take all this home with. But when you're done with your card, after the service is concluded, you can drop it in one of the offering boxes if you'd like us to pray with you about whatever you write down. All right, so let's go to prayer and then we'll, we'll hear from Trevor in just a moment.
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth think about these things and be transformed yes I'll think about these things and be transformed by the renewing of my mind Out of shell may waste away, but inside I'm stronger day by day. As I fix my mind on you, as I fix my thoughts on you, Jesus. It's out of shell may waste away, but inside I'm stronger day by day. As I fix my thoughts on you, I will fix my mind on you and be towards the beautiful and true transform me remold me make me more like you Lord revive me spirit inside me make me more like you Transform me, remold me, make me more like you, Lord. Revive me, spirit inside me, make me more like you. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, I'll think about these things. And be transformed, I think about these things. And be transformed by the renewing of my mind. By the this to you. Thank you for the path of hope that you offer to us. 
that our minds can change, our minds can be renewed. Would you give us the strength this week to focus in on what you want us to think about and lead us toward the path of peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you next week.